0: Chapter 9. Of the Life of Clara Barton. Volume 2 by William Barton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 9. The Trials of a Treaty. The methods of treaty making in the United States have varied. In a few instances, the Senate has taken the initiative and asked the President's concurrent action in at least one instance the president has negotiated the treaty without the assistance of the senate and requested the senate to adopt it without change in several cases the coordinate treaty making powers have moved together the president concurring with the senate's committee on foreign relations In the matter of the Red Cross Treaty, as we have seen, the President took the initiative in cooperation with the Secretary of State, and the Senate, in due time, requested the Secretary of State to submit the documents bearing upon the matter. This was the status when President Garfield was shot. During the weeks of his illness, the nation's interest centered in his sick room it is interesting to know that the first local organization of the red cross was established at dansville new york clara barton returned thither after the shooting of president garfield and without waiting for his death or recovery called the people of that village together and established a local organization the first in the united states some years afterward the dansville express went back over its files and found material for this brief article the red cross in dansville the first local society in the united states was organized in dansville from the files of the dansville express of august twenty fifth eighteen eighty one We find the first local Red Cross Society in the United States was organized in this village, August 22, 1881, at a meeting held in St. Paul's Lutheran Church, called for that purpose. Rev. P. A. Strobel, pastor of the church, presided, and Dr. B. P. Andrews acted as secretary, Miss Clara Barton, then a resident of Dansville, explained the objects of the society. Rev. George K. Ward, Dr. J. H. Jackson, Rev. P. A. Strobel, Rev. A. P. Brush, Mrs. Mary R. Smith, and Mrs. James Faulkner, Jr. were made a committee to present a constitution, and they reported the same william cramer and dr j h jackson were a committee to secure names of members and fifty-seven were recorded the officers elected were president george a Sweet, vice president mrs fanny b johnson secretary mrs mary colvin treasurer james faulkner jr executive board miss clara barton Major Mark J. Bunnell, G. Bastion, James H. Jackson, Major E. H. Pratt, Mrs. George Hartman, Thomas E. Gallagher, William Kramer, Oscar Woodruff, Mrs. Reuben Whiteman, Mrs. L. Q. Galpin. Later, Major Bunnell was made secretary of the executive board and hon j a van Derlip, consulting counsel the society was active in good works for a few years and when miss barton moved to washington it was allowed to die soon after the inauguration of president arthur clara barton returned to washington from a summer spent at dansville she was already acquainted with president arthur she had met him at the white house and he had expressed interest in her undertaking she now called on him again and reminded him that president garfield had promised her his assistance that there already had gone forth a letter signed by the secretary of state committing the united states to the red cross treaty and that there still lay on the President's desk the official request of the Senate for information concerning the Treaty of Geneva. President Arthur gave to Miss Barton a most cordial reception. He assured her of his own personal interest and of the obligation under which he felt to carry out every promise made by President Garfield. He promised her to call the attention of the Senate to the matter in his first address to Congress, and he kept his promise in the following paragraphs. I cannot too strongly urge upon you my conviction that every consideration of national safety, economy, and honor imperatively demands a thorough rehabilitation of our Navy. We have for many years maintained with foreign governments the relations of honorable peace, and that such relations may be permanent is desired by every patriotic citizen of the Republic. But if we heed the teachings of history, we shall not forget that in the life of every nation emergencies may arise when a resort to arms can alone save it from dishonor no danger from abroad now threatens this people nor have we any cause to distrust the friendly professions of other governments but for avoiding as well as for repelling dangers that may threaten us in the future we must be prepared to enforce any policy which we think wise to adopt at its last extra session the senate called for the text of the geneva convention for the relief of the wounded in war i trust that this action foreshadows such interest in the subject as will result in the adhesion of the united states to that humane and commendable engagement this part of the message was immediately taken up in the Senate and referred to the Committee on Foreign Affairs, consisting of the following named gentlemen, to wit, Honorable William Wyndham, Minnesota, Honorable George F. Edmonds, Vermont, Honorable John Miller, California, Honorable Thomas W. Ferry, Michigan, Honorable Elbridge G. Leifam, New York, Honorable John W. Johnston, Virginia, Honorable J.T. Morgan, Alabama, Honorable George H. Pendleton, Ohio, Honorable Benjamin H. Hill, Georgia. The Committee on Foreign Relations opened its door wide to Clara Barton and listened with the greatest interest to her story president arthur followed the recommendation of his message with a special communication in response to the senate's request of the preceding may senate x doc number 6 47th congress first session message from the president of the united states transmitting in response to senate resolution of may 17th 1881 A report of the Secretary of State with accompanying papers touching the Geneva Convention for the Relief of the Wounded in War. December 12, 1881. Referred to the Committee on Foreign Relations and ordered to be printed. To Senate of the United States. I transmit herewith, in response to the resolution of the Senate, of the seventeenth of may last a report of the secretary of state with accompanying papers touching the geneva convention for the relief of the wounded in war chester a arthur executive mansion washington december twelfth eighteen eighty one to the president the secretary of state to whom was addressed a resolution of the senate dated the 17th of may 1881 requesting him to furnish to the senate copies translations of articles of convention signed at geneva switzerland august 22 1864 touching the treatment of those wounded in war together with the forms of ratification employed by the several governments parties thereto has the honor to lay before the President the papers called for by the resolution. In view of the reference made, in the annual message of the President to the Geneva Convention, the Secretary of State deems it unnecessary now to enlarge upon the advisability of the adhesion of the United States to an international compact at once so humane in its character and so universal in its application as to commend itself to the adoption of nearly all the civilized powers james g blaine department of state washington december tenth eighteen eighty one with such support from the president and the secretary of state and with the senate a unit in support of the treaty the end of the struggle appeared to be in sight but many anxious months had yet to pass before clara barton's dream came true even after the movement was inaugurated and recognized by congress very few people in america attached to it any considerable degree of importance among those who appreciated its full significance and hastened to give clara barton full credit for her splendid achievement was the man who had labored so faithfully for the organization of an american red cross at the close of the civil war dr henry w bellows he had labored in earlier years and had given it up but rejoiced in the prospect of her success new york two thirty two east fifteenth november twenty first eighteen eighty one my dear miss barton it has been a sore disappointment and mortification to those who inaugurated the plan of organized relief by private contributions for sick and wounded soldiers in our late war since so largely followed by other nations that they should still find the united states the only great government that refuses to join in the treaty framed by the international convention of geneva for neutralizing battlefields after the battle and making the persons of surgeons and nurses flying to the relief of the wounded and dying free from arrest this great international agreement for mitigating the horrors of war finds its chief defect in the conspicuous refusal of the united states government to join in the treaty the importance of our national concurrence with other governments in this noble treaty has been urged upon every administration since the war but has thus far met only the reply that our national policy did not allow us to enter into entangling alliances with other powers i rejoice to hear from you that our late president and his chief official advisers were of a different opinion and encourage the hope that in the interests of mercy and humanity it might be safe to agree by treaty with all the civilized world that we would soften to non-combatants the hateful conditions that made relief to the wounded on battlefields a peril or forbidden act. I trust you will press this matter upon our present administration with all the weight of your well-earned influence." having myself somewhat ignominiously failed to get any encouragement for this measure from two administrations i leave it in your more fortunate hands hoping that the time is ripe for a less jealous policy than american self-isolation in international movements for extending and universalizing mercy towards the victims of war yours truly H. W. Bellows Public sentiment in America is a strange and somewhat capricious thing. Clara Barton issued her little booklet in 1878, and it appeared to fall flat. The newspapers paid no attention to it. Congress treated it with complete indifference, if not with hostility. And the President and his cabinet ignored it she reissued it in eighteen eighty one with added matter and not less than three hundred newspapers and periodicals spoke kindly of it many of them more than once so that more than five hundred press clippings were collated as the result of that and miss barton's little article written for the associated press congress that had been partly hostile and, where not hostile, apathetic, became suddenly and unanimously interested. The Honorable William Wyndon, chairman of the Committee on Foreign Relations, and afterward a member of President Garfield's cabinet, became a staunch friend, perhaps the first genuinely interested and largely influential friend of the movement senators hoar and wilson of massachusetts and hawley of connecticut and Edmonds of vermont lent to the movement intelligent and vigorous support the hon omar d conger of michigan first in the house and afterward in the senate took an active part in promoting the cause when the matter began to be discussed in congress as the body which alone could declare war and later came before the foreign relations committee of the senate on the proposal to ratify the geneva treaty there was not a dissenting voice in either house nor was there in the press through the country so far as is known a single unfavorable comment clara barton's campaign of publicity had been a little handful of corn upon the top of the mountains and the fruit thereof shook like the cedars of lebanon the whole nation was suddenly converted to faith in the red cross foreign nations stood in amazement when they saw this change of sentiment they were unable to account for it nor could anyone else explain it to them after eighteen years of indifference and hostility america came over to the banner of the red cross with whole-hearted acceptance of its humane principles but still the question was asked why america need concern herself with an organization for war when she was never going to have another war The answer to this question contained one of the distinctive principles of the American Red Cross as compared with the Red Cross in other countries. In Europe, the Red Cross was organized solely for relief in time of war. In America, it was organized to meet any great public need. As yet, however, the Red Cross was proceeding without official authority the death of president garfield delayed for several months the official adherence of the united states to the treaty of geneva meantime the red cross was in existence by advice of president garfield it had however only a single local organization but it cherished national and international aims and hopes miss barton herself recorded the history of the organization the national red cross of america was formed nearly a year before the accession to the treaty this was done by the advice of president garfield in order to aid as far as possible the accession accordingly a meeting was held in washington d c may twenty first eighteen eighty one which resulted in the formation of an association to be known as the American National Association of the Red Cross. Several years of previous illness on the part of its president had resulted in fixing her country home at Dansville, New York, the seat of the great Jackson and Austin Sanitarium and the acknowledged foundation of the hundreds of health institutions of that kind which bless the country today. The establishment of the National Red Cross in Washington had attracted the attention of persons outside, who of course knew very little of it, but among others the people of Dansville, the home of the president, felt that if she were engaged in some public movement they too might at least offer to aid accordingly on her return to them in midsummer they waited upon her with a request to that effect which resulted in the formation of a society of the red cross this being the first body in aid of the national association formed in the united states it is possible I cannot make that more clear than by giving an extract from their report of that date, which was as follows. In reply to your request, given through the secretary of your association, that we make report to you concerning the inauguration of our society, its subsequent proceedings and present condition, the committee has the honor to submit the following statement dansville livingston county new york being the country residence of miss clara barton president of the american association of the red cross its citizens desirous of paying a compliment to her and at the same time of doing an honor to themselves conceived the idea of organizing in their town the first local society of the Red Cross in the United States. To this end, a general preliminary meeting was held in the Presbyterian Church, when the principles of the Treaty of Geneva and the nature of its societies were defined in a clear and practical manner by Miss Barton, who had been invited to address the meeting shortly after on the twenty second of august eighteen eighty one a second meeting for the purpose of organization held in the lutheran church and presided over by the pastor reverend dr strobel was attended by the citizens generally including nearly all the religious denominations of the town with their respective pastors the purpose of the meeting was explained by your president a constitution was presented and very largely signed and officers were elected thus we are able to announce that on the eighteenth anniversary of the treaty of geneva in switzerland august twenty second eighteen sixty four was formed the first local society of the red cross in the united states of america While the Red Cross hung, like the coffin of Mohammed, between heaven and earth, a disastrous forest fire occurred in Michigan. Clara Barton at once issued, in the name of the Red Cross, an appeal for help. The first city to respond was Rochester, forty miles from Dansville, and Syracuse followed. The money was placed in the hands of the county clerk of Livingston County, New York, Who went at once to Michigan and distributed financial help under direction of Clara Barton. She also went to Michigan and took care of the distribution of food and clothing. Here in Michigan, for the first time on American soil, the banner of the Red Cross was displayed above the supply tent of Clara Barton. A part of the report of that first effort follows. Before a month had passed, before a thought of practical application to business had arisen, we were forcibly and sadly taught again the old lesson that we need but to build the altar, God will himself provide the sacrifice. If we did not hear the crackling of the flames, our skies grew murky and dark and our atmosphere bitter with the drifting smoke that rolled over from the blazing fields of our neighbors in michigan whose living thousands fled in terror whose dying hundreds writhed in the embers and whose dead blackened in the ashes of their hard-earned homes instantly we felt the help and strength of our organization young and untried as it was we were grateful that in this first ordeal your sympathetic president was with us we were deeply grateful for your prompt call to action given through her which rallied us to our work our relief rooms were instantly secured and our white banner with its bright scarlet cross which has never been furled since that hour was thrown to the breeze telling to Every onlooker, what we were there to do, and pointing to every generous heart an outlet for its sympathy. We had not mistaken the spirit of our people. Our scarce opened doorway was filled with men, women, and children bearing their gifts of pity and love. Tables and shelves were piled. Our working committee of ladies took every article under inspection their faithful hands made all garments whole and strong lastly each article received the stamp of the society and of the red cross and all were carefully and quickly consigned to the firm packing cases awaiting them eight large boxes were shipped at first others followed directly and so continued until notified by the relief committee of michigan that no more were needed among the fruits of clara barton's work in michigan was the confidence and friendship of senator omar d Conger and of mrs Conger, who seeing the actual workings of the red cross under direct control of Clara Barton, became its enthusiastic supporters and her fast friends. The Michigan experience also exhibited to the nation the value of such an organization and showed that a country which did not intend ever to have another war might still find use for the Red Cross. But still the treaty halted. No one was opposing it every known influence was favorable to it its adoption and signature were the merest formality clara barton was at liberty to go on with her work with the full approval of the president and his cabinet and wait for the adoption of the treaty which was certain to follow it did follow but before it was adopted the heart of clara barton was well nigh broken She had learned the weariness and pain of working alone. She was now to learn the keener sorrow which emerges when one undertakes to work with others. Clara Barton had succeeded. No one questioned her success. But the treaty was not yet adopted. End of chapter 9